Extraordinary Unplugged, a podcast for people looking to create bigger, braver, more meaningful lives, people who are prepared to do what it takes to make it happen. I felt like I didn't want to be that person. I don't want to be black and gay. You know, you think that's a double whammy. I, you know, I feel a lot of diversity quotas there. <laughs> this week, I met with Minnie, a 22-year-old that has shown more courage and insight than people twice her age. Her determination to find her way, to become who she really is, blew me away. So I'm going to start, as I always do, tell me, who's Millie? So Millie is um, just a 22-year-old graphic designer, is my official job title. Um, I specialise in visual communications. I'm quite chilled out, really. Um, I don't really have many hobbies, but I do like spending time with my friends and um, socialising with my family. And I'm still actually trying to answer that question myself as well. So um, I'm on a big journey <laughs> to find out who I really am. I think I can answer that question in half right now. <laughs> in, fi- in five years time, it might be a different answer. Tell me a little bit about the journey that you've been on. What are the key elements of that journey? My whole li- life journey starts from when I was really young and um, being in uh, primary school specifically, um, I knew that I was quite different to the the other girls that were in my class, just because my interests were not the same as theirs. I spent a lot of time with the boys and, uh, you know, kicking around a football. That was always where you'd find me at lunchtime with the boys uh, kicking about. From that point, I knew that I was very different. I wanted to wear boys' clothes. I wanted to be just like the boys. And at that point, for me, there was nothing wrong with that because, you know, at 10, 11, there's no, there's no, there is no judgment from the world about how you are and what you want to do. So I think that's quite a important part of my story just because I've almost done a full circle. Um, So I spent a lot of years in between then and now playing a character that was not meant for me. So yeah, that's, that's quite an exciting start, I'd say, because it's almost start happy, finish happy, um, with some sadness sprinkled in the middle. (laughs) So you spent a lot of years playing what character? One that I thought everybody wanted me to be. When I went to secondary school, it was, that was then when the the shift happened. Um, I became friends with a lot of girls. I decided to conform to the norm and whatever that is. I mean, I hate that phrase. I don't think there is a normal. I think everybody is themselves and if you're outside of the norm, then do you know what? Fair play, and that's that's much better than being the same as everybody else. <laughs> but I, I I did really struggle with that from about twelve onwards. You become friends with people, and it definitely has a massive influence on how you live your life and things you do and how you act. You know the standard stuff when you're 13, 14. It's all about boys. It's all about makeup. It's all about dressing a certain way to get whatever form of attention you think you need. If someone else was doing something, then I'll go, that's what we're supposed to do. And it was at about 14 that I realised that my sexual preferences were probably different to everybody else's. But back then, I think I kind of thought that maybe everybody thought the same way. So I thought I just really appreciated an attractive female. <laughs> and I thought everybody felt the same. <laughs> and it's it's come to me now that that's not the case. <laughs> I very much suppressed that um and that actually couples very well with what 
people like to call internalized homophobia so and that also stems from when i was younger it was i didn't want barbies i didn't want dolls i wanted action men and i didn't like the color pink because i was all like they, that's too girly i don't i don't want it it's too girly it's now when i think when i think back i just go that internalized homophobia of mine um really shows that there was a lot i was suppressing back then even you know we'd be out for, with family and my mum would be talking to you know someone someone who's at the table and saying oh one of Millie's girlfriends and just referring to a female friend of mine I go she's not my girlfriend she's not my girlfriend <laughs> you know it would drum up that reaction um that sort of reaction from me um and you know even even till kind of up till last year you know I'd go out with friends and mum would say did you kiss any boys I'd say no and she'd say <laughs> did you kiss any girls I'd say no what do you mean what do you mean no no I wouldn't I wouldn't do that so yeah I think there's been a big, a big struggle with my internalized homophobia and dealing with the fact that actually I kind of like people based on who they are not their gender and that sort of stuff and I'm still coming to terms with my sexuality myself so um and it's it's a very fluid thing um it's not it's not set for you from an early age or you know you don't make a decision and then you stick with that for life it very much changes as you go on what was the impact on you while you were sort of trying to conform when I was in school conforming not only to just the standard what I thought other girls did I've only ever really had a, a predominantly white friendship group and um, I am mixed so I'm quarter Jamaican so I have brown skin and um, very very thick curly hair <laughs> beautiful hair <laughs> thank you <laughs> I had straight hair for a number of years constantly straightening it because that's what I thought all the boys wanted. Along with that came makeup and buying foundation that was a couple of shades too light for me. In a way, because I wanted to have that bond with the girls at school, it was, you know, everyone, the girls would all stand in, the, in front of the mirror, putting their makeup on, and they'd all go, oh, can I use some of this? Can I use some of this? And I'd be standing at the side like, oh, I can't, we can't share makeup. How were you feeling though? How were you feeling inside? I felt very much like the ugly duckling i always kind of have um i think it's only in very in the last maybe year or so that i've really embraced my ethnicity my where i'm from and all the characteristics that come with that but i did hate the fact that i was brown for a number of years in school i did feel like i was treated differently at school because of the color of my skin not necessarily from like peers and my other friends and um, whatnot but by teachers and stuff as well and I think um, I think I felt like there was a stereotype I do remember there being a time that you know I sat in detention after school and I looked around the classroom and there there wasn't a white face in sight it was they were they were it was only brown children that were sat in detention now I think about it I think I feel like there probably wasn't something quite right there um, because believe me there were plenty of naughty kids in my school that I would be messing around with who were white, but I don't feel like they got the same sort of <laughs> punishment as me. Um, and I think that sort of stuff does stick with you, especially at that age, you're so malleable at that age. And, you know, you kind of take things on, you're like a sponge, right? To everything, you're super sensitive. So what I'm hearing is that two parts of your story. One is is this whole piece around your sexuality and, and actually trying to conform to being girly and being part of that sort of culture where girls are chasing boys and boys are chasing girls. And 
And then also your ethnicity around where you fitted. You were different. That didn't feel comfortable to you. You were different in two ways it felt like to you. And that, that wasn't comfortable either. And trying to almost conform and become whiter with straighter hair and whiter skin and all the rest of it. This is a good point to ask yourself. Have you ever denied part of you in order to fit in? And if so, are you still doing it? Are you hiding certain interests, dreams, preferences that are important to you in fear of being judged by other people? If so, are you ready to become fully you? Did you ever have any really dark moments? Was there, were there any times when it really got to you? Yeah, so I think it wasn't until I left school that I really started to think, oh, actually, more so the with the colour of my skin. Uh, there's no real problem with that. And, you know, I mean, at the end of the day, if someone has a problem with me because of the colour of my skin, actually, that's their issue and not mine. Um, and that was a big turning point. And then I understood that side of it and it was fine. Um, but with my sexuality and suppressing that for such a long time, that really, really did affect me in later years so the last two years or so were really really dark years for me I kind of came to terms with it I didn't realize that that's how I didn't realize that I was in a really dark place um and it actually took for my mum to say to me are you okay like there's something not right um and I had a uh, like an emotional breakdown at work one day which I'd never done no one at work had ever seen me cry and I just broke down at my desk one day I remember just going that yeah, this is not right. This is very weird for me to do that. But I spoke to my mum and so my dad has always really struggled with his mental health. Um, so my mum could see the signs in me uh, before I could. We talked about ways to manage that and, you know, with eating well and, you know, standard health and well-being. They got to a point that even that kind of wasn't enough for me. Um, so I actually was then medicated. It's a very weird timing. I actually stopped taking it just before lockdown. And I was really worried because I thought, actually, this could be a problem for my mental health, lockdown. But I think actually lockdown, and I'm so blessed to say it, is one of the best things that's ever happened to me. Um, because what it did was take me away from everybody else's life and opinions and because I was still conforming in certain ways up until lockdown, especially with my sexuality. So it's lockdown that helped me just come to terms with who I really am in that sense and embrace it and get to the point of saying, I don't give a damn what anybody has got to say about it. Those dark times, when I think about them, they are really dark in, in my head. Um, and I, there's actually a lot of things that I don't remember. I really... Sorry, it's just, it's, um, yeah, it's, it's horrible. I did have some horrible times and horrible thoughts. So I know actually lockdown coincided with you joining a group on the, on the Ivy House Award and getting some coaching. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I'm just interested in terms of what struck you from that, what enabled you to, to own it, to recognise what was going on. Yeah, so it was definitely talking about my thoughts and that has been something that I have always always struggled with and realizing that you can think something but that doesn't mean it's true it I'd say 90% of the time it's not <laughs> you know it's something you have drummed up in your own head and overthinking was the was the worst for me and the Ivy House would actually couldn't have come at a better time especially during lockdown when you're spending a lot of time with your your own thoughts that's really 
what helped me to figure out that I just I need to not care about what other people have got to say because look it hasn't done any good for me up up to now it's made me feel horrendous and I'm so ready to come out of this lockdown and just be happy and and do what I want to do and live my life the way I want to live it it was only ever me that held myself back I said you know as I've said before I when it when I thought about my sexuality at no point did I worry about my family um, and what they would say I come from a very liberal family my family is so unconventional you couldn't even write it (laughs) um so you know we've got I've got um I've got a a gay uh, grandparent and um my family are black and adopted by white people so you know there's no absolutely no judgment whatsoever from anyone in my family it was all down to me and how I felt about it I felt like I didn't want to be that person I you know my whole thoughts were I don't want to be the girl that's gay I don't want to be I don't want to be black and gay (laughs) you know you think that's a that's a double whammy you know I feel a lot of diversity quotas there (laughs) a female as well Millie's insight here is profound. Whilst we spend a lot of time worrying about what others think, we can also spend so much time in a place called self-judge. Judging who we are, what we're like, how we've shown up to the world. The truth is, is you are who you are. Our job is to really engage with that, accept ourselves and love ourselves and of course, show up as our best selves. So it was only you that was holding you back. It was only your thinking that was getting in the way of you actually living the life that you were born to live all along. I mean, that was so clear from you being so young, yeah? It was written all over you. Yeah, it really was. (laughs) You know, the reality is, is that when it's in you, it's in you, you know, it's there. And of course, what we do is it we cloud it over with all of this thinking and we lose sight of ourselves. So to see you actually sitting in yourself, that's amazing. So my question then, Millie, is is what what's what are you working on now? What what are you what's going on for you? What's your challenge right now? So my challenge is that I'm I'm still struggling. I'm better than I was as I've embraced it myself, but I am still struggling with my fear of judgment from others, mainly because, you know, I've, I've had boyfriends in the past and I've dated boys and whatnot. And I just, I'm worried that people are going to hear that I've come out and have something to say about it. And I still do struggle with the thought of that. So that's my, my main challenge right now is to overcome that barrier. And once I've overcome that barrier, I think I'll be on a first class flight to <laughs> my true self. <laughs> So you use the word overcome this barrier. What's the barrier? It works again with my thoughts and people could hear this news and not a single person bats an eyelid or says anything. I think it might just be me thinking about something that hasn't happened yet. (laughs) And I do that quite a lot. I imagine situations that haven't even happened and that may never happen. That is such a common thing, by the way. Let's just pause and, and take that in for a moment because... Worry is literally that. It is taking something from the past or the future, imagined from the future, and experiencing the pain of it now. Mm -hmm. When you actually think about that, that, is that not just crazy? It is. It is. (laughs) I do get moments where I just go, what 
there's no point in me worrying about it. It hasn't happened. It may never happen. But then something else comes into my brain and then I do the same thing again. Let me ask you a question, Millie. Whose opinion matters? And the people that were well, the people that I love. So my, my closest friends and my family. Okay. So that's a handful of people. A handful of people that are dear to you and that love you. And mm-hmm. I suspect already know um, your news. Um, yeah, they do. <laughs> so ultimately, the people that you are in close relationships with, you really want them to think well about you. Yeah? Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. Let me ask you then, do they think well about you? They do. <laughs> How much love have you received in the last few months as you've been going through your journey? So much love. And it's made me just think, well, all I did was upset myself. Um, and I mean, I, you know, kind of came out to my family. A lot of them said, you don't, you don't need to come out. It shouldn't be a thing. It's not, it's not a thing. You shouldn't have to do that. Um, but I did. I mean, I sent well, I sent a message to my family WhatsApp group chat because <laughs> I said I'm not doing the whole formal form. I'm not doing a formal sit down with you all. Yeah. But this is this is how it is, and this is who I love, and and all that sort of stuff. And um, I mean, actually, not no one was shocked. <laughs> so it turned out that they'd they'd, they'd all seen it coming. <laughs> so um, that made it a bit easier. Um, but yeah, and I've had so much love from. Um, so obviously you saw my blog post, um, I, you know, I posted out on LinkedIn. Um, so even people that I worked with and a lot of them had no idea at all. And I just, I can't, I can't, I couldn't get over. I was so overwhelmed by the love and support that I received from people. I just want you to hear yourself right now, right? I just want you to take a moment and say, yeah, everybody I care about has given me incredible love and support. Yeah. So what's it going to take for that to settle within you and go, I'm okay. This is okay. The love that I've received from everybody else has given me that extra push to just be me. I think if I'd have had a bad reception, I may have just gone straight back into how I was before and kept it to myself. I wouldn't be where I am right now without the people that I love um, being super supportive and um just not judging me for anything. So can I put it to you then that you're just in the habit of worrying about what other people are going to say? Yeah, I am. And that has been, that's always been, I've cared, always cared too much about what other people think. And that has always been one of my biggest issues. So ultimately, I mean, what I always come back to is actually the only real opinion that matters is ours. Because if we show up to the world in the way that we want to show up to the world, then the people that were meant to love us will love us. Lots of people show up to the world not as they really are. In fact, you're a great example, actually. You weren't showing up to the world as you really are. We owe it to the people around us to show up as we really are so that they can then decide whether or not they want to be in relationship with us, whether or not they want to be in our lives. But actually, if we show up as something that we're not, wearing a mask, pretending to be something. Actually, inside people's hearts, they always feel a slight uncertainty with that person because energetically, we we connect with people, don't we? And and we know if somebody is being false or, or not being true to themselves, even if they don't. What goes through your head when you're worrying about what other people are going to think about you? I think we live in a world where 
gossip is such a big part of life and people use gossip to fit in and use gossip when they've run out of other conversation topics so what they do is they talk about other people's lives rather than their own and I do think for a lot of people this may be a side note um, that a lot of people may use that to deflect off stuff that they have going on themselves so what they do is they talk about other people um, and I just fear that I'm going to be that topic of conversation especially people who know my 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 dating history so Millie I'm going to stop you a moment and I ask you what on earth does it matter what other people are talking about when they've got nothing else to talk about. There's nothing on the TV and they spend a fleeting five or 10 minutes going, oh my God, have you heard Millie's come out? And oh, and she dated so-so. And I, well, I always thought she was gay. What does it matter? I'm like Jekyll and Hyde in my own head. I, I do, I do the whole, but people are going to say this and, so that's the devil on my shoulder. And then the angel on my shoulder is going, but actually, if you think about it, what what does that that doesn't affect you you know they may they may have stuff to say but that doesn't doesn't it's not going to change anything it's all 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 it's doing is making me feel worse um and like i said these are hypothetical conversations (laughs) that i'm having that have happened in my head um you know people may just not really people don't care about me enough to talk about me or it might just be a point of interest and and then they move on but the the point is is that you can, and so many people do this, they allow what they imagine is going on outside their life, nothing to do with them, to affect the quality of their life inside of them. That's the choice we have. Now, I wanna go back to this point about, I suspect you're just in the habit, because you've had so many years where you've been trying to conform to something that isn't true. I think you're just in the habit of worrying about what other people said. What would your life be like if I took away your capability to worry about what other people were saying? I'd be living my best life, Elka. <laughs> right. And as I've, as I've said to many people in the past, I don't have that power, but you know who does? Only me. I know. And that's probably, I'd say, the next, st- next step on my, on my journey is to completely break that habit. Let's get practical about this, right? Because so many people go, I get that intellectually. You always talk about thoughts coming in, thoughts coming out. You know, I don't have to hang on to them if I don't want to, but you don't know, you've never been in my in my head, they always go. You've never been in my head. You don't know what it's like. I can't get rid of the thoughts. Now, interestingly, have you ever had a bad night's sleep? Yes. Yeah, okay. And if you lie in bed and you go, oh my God, I'm awake now. It's three o'clock in the morning. There's no way I'm getting back to sleep. This is it. There's no way I'm getting back to sleep. You are literally telling your brain, we're not going back to sleep. Yeah, speaking it into existence. Yeah, well, that's a great term. I've never heard that, but I love that. Speaking it into existence. I will nick that. Um, That's fine. (laughs) I'll take that from you. But the reality is, is that's what we do. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So you've, You don't need to worry about breaking habits. You don't need to give them attention. What you need to do is form new habits. We can just go, oh, here we go. Oh, there's a thought flying in about me worrying about what X, Y, and Z are saying about me. Oh, there we go. Off it goes. So the new thinking, the new habit that we want to spend time with, we just switch our energy to that. Yeah, Yeah, definitely. and, And that 
it's it's like exercising muscles that you haven't exercised for years. So let's be clear here. There are two new habits. First, the habit of getting distance from your thoughts, not being taken over by them. Secondly, the habit of choosing to hang out with better thinking, thinking that actually serves you, thinking that makes you feel better, not worse. So give me some mantras, some sayings, something that beliefs that would work for you to play in your head when you want to turn your attention elsewhere. Do the people that I love, love me? And do they accept me? Yes, they do. And that that's all that matters. Uh, it's not all that matters. Do you love you? And do you accept you? I'm, I'm on my way. <laughs> I'm on my way. Um, okay. Because Millie, definitely. as I said, yes, the opinions of the people that you love matter to you because you're in relationship with them. Of course they matter. And the only real opinion the only real love and acceptance you need is yours. So what's it going to take for that to happen? I don't know. That's something I've I've always struggled with is self-love and self-acceptance, which is, you know, what I said about the only person that suppressed my feelings was me, um, and it was for no other reason. I'm, st I'm still taking steps, and, and step by step now, I'm, I'm living my life how I want to, so dating girls, um, I'm now dressing how I want to, doing what I want to, all in the hope, oh, I'm going to cry, all in the hope that... Um, Crying's okay, um, you know. <laughs> all in the hope that I'll eventually get to where I'm meant to be and um, where I was meant Millie, to be. Millie, <laughs> Millie what, if, what if you are where you're meant to be? What if where you're meant to be is exactly here now? What if you've arrived? Maybe I have. <laughs> yeah, what if there is nowhere else to go? And actually, the job of love to do, actually, not the job of work, the job of love to do, is to give yourself self-love every day. Yeah, yeah, that's, um, I do know that is my big, <laughs> my biggest issue there. Well, it's not an issue, it's, it's an opportunity. What would it look like? Tell me what you would do differently if you showed yourself love and acceptance. What, what, what would be different? I think maybe that and my fear of judgment come hand in hand. I think if I was 100% in love with myself, um, for lack of a better term, 100% <laughs> in love with myself, I think I would like not care about anyone, um, anyone's opinion besides my own and the, the my close people around me. I just think my life would be different I think I would have a lot more motivation for life if I had a lot more self-love because I don't love myself I don't care about my myself if if you know what I mean I don't um, care about my well-being I just drink smoke I don't exercise don't drink enough water and the question we need to be asking here is how do you begin to show yourself love and acceptance what needs to happen for you? And I suspect it's around your thinking. Yes, you know, you can start to care for yourself, to look after yourself, and you know that stuff. 
but it'll be the thinking that drives the feeling that drives the behavior of not doing that. So what's the thinking that you could hang out with that would lead to behaviors of self-love and acceptance? One thing I've, I really have wanted to start doing is um, positive affirmations. Um, so again, that's speaking it into existence. I, I truly do believe they work. Um, and it's just those telling myself every day, looking at myself in the mirror, telling myself that I am, I am good enough. No, no, can I, I'm just going to, I'm just going to take that away from you and go, yeah, you're good enough, but you're just great. It's not about being good enough. It's about being wonderful. Yeah. And you're the person you were born to be and you've arrived home. You've come home. Yeah. And it's, I guess it's also not about being good enough because no. I'm not trying to. Where's the measure? Up to any. Yeah, exactly. It's just, I am, I am enough me myself how I want to be how I am what I'm loving about this Millie is you know the answer and actually it will be all sorts of things like standing in front of the mirror and really looking at yourself and really telling yourself I love you I love you and I'm really happy to be you yeah And for anyone that's listening, doing that exercise is transformational because most people don't have an issue with looking at themselves, especially naked, actually standing in front of the mirror naked and appreciating the person, wherever you came from, God's spirit, wherever, you're here. Yeah and loving yourself from that place. And in doing that, you create a whole new set of neural pathways that allow you then to operate from that place of calm and acceptance and love. Because what's clear to me, Millie, is you've come so far on this journey in a really short time. I mean, it's like it's like it was a force against a closed door and then... The- <laughs> yeah. The door came down and wow, you know, you've, you've traveled such a long way in such a short space of time. I really have. Yeah. And that's incredible. And now this is just about grounding it. It's just about, ah, I'm home. I'm cool. I'm beautiful. I'm talented. I love me. And You know, I have some incredible people around me and there is no reason why I won't have more incredible people around me for the rest of my life because I'm now going to show up with this amazing energy of somebody that has accepted and loved themselves. Yeah. And I know for a fact, because I've been doing this job for a very long time, (laughs) there's a hell of a lot of people that haven't got there yet. Yeah. And often it's because they're not prepared to do the practices of loving themselves. So I'm going to shut up in a minute and I'm just going to let you tell me what you want to do to start loving yourself. So I am going to practice positive affirmations. I'm going to tell myself every day that I am enough and that... I'm, I'm okay as I am. There's no problem with me being who I am. 
and that I am not my thoughts. <laughs> they don't exist necessarily. <laughs> um, and that what other people think about me does not affect me. And, and let me just throw one thing in. And actually what they think might be amazing. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> it's not always negative. Yeah, yeah. But just just as an idea, they might quite like yeah. you, but that's not True. that's not the measure. That's not mm. the measure because their thinking no. is their thinking. That's fine. They can go on and have their thinking life, whatever they want it to be. Mm-hmm. The thinking yeah. that matters is the thinking that you hang out with. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So Millie, you're writing a letter to your 17-year-old self and you're only actually 22. So it's only five years ago, but I get the impression from our conversation that you are in a totally different place. Yeah, I am. <laughs> from where you from where Indeed. you were at 17. So um, I look forward to hearing your letter. So Milan, no, you're not in trouble. You actually don't mind being called that now. You even name your business after it, but we'll get into that later. Firstly, how are you? And don't say fine, because we all know that's a lie. (laughs) We both know what's going on for you right now in life, with friendships, relationships, and especially family. I just need you to know that everything will be okay. All the people who are meant to be around you and in your daily life are. Good news, right? I know. Saying that, you're not going to deal with your emotions in the right way. I know talking about your emotions and how you feel is not something you're good at and will avoid at all costs. We're still not the best, but we're getting there. So what you're going to do is find 101 things to distract you from being honest about how you truly feel. This will come back to bite you in the ass in a few years time. So cheers for that. (laughs) Do not worry about what other people might think or say about you. The fact that you care too much about other other people's opinions is going to put you in a really dark place for quite a while before you even realize too. Your thoughts are not your reality. Your thoughts are not who you are. Just live your life how you want to, wear whatever the hell you want to wear, do whatever the hell you want to do, and love whoever the hell you want to love. You're starting a new single chapter in your life now. You're going to meet thousands of new people in the next few years and every single one of them comes into your life for a reason. They're either a lesson or a blessing. You're going to spend a lot of time with friends and different groups and types of people and my most crucial piece of advice for you here is just be yourself. I wish I really could travel back in time and tell you to stop pretending to be to be someone you're not. But I can't, so all I can do now is learn from your missteps and remember that everything happens for a reason. Let me sum up for you what life is like now. You don't live at home anymore. You moved out just after your 20th birthday, so you're fully independent. Mum and Dad aren't together anymore, but that's okay. They're still best friends and you still do things as a family unit. You're self-employed as a graphic designer. You were made redundant from the best job you ever had um, during a global pandemic. (laughs) No, I'm not being dramatic when I say a global pandemic, just you wait and see. (laughs) So you decided to set up and go it alone, which has proven to be a very good decision. You're also finally out and proud. Not one single person in your life was shocked or had a bad word to say. Remember that people around you will love you no matter what and you'll learn that anyone who challenges your happiness are not part of your tribe. They won't be around for long. Knowing you, you've probably stopped listening by now, hence this is where I'll leave you. So Millie, this letter from me to you is my closure. Closure from the old me. As I continue this treasure hunt to find true happiness, not just another distraction from sadness. (laughs) 
Wow. Yeah, it feels really, actually really good. And uh, I feel like it is, it is my closure. I feel like I want to print it out and burn it. <laughs> kind of burn <laughs> um, the, the, that part of my, the, the old me. The fake you. Yeah, yeah. <sighs> it was good to get out. <laughs> Thank you. I, I can't tell you how many people I know that's going to help because their story is going to be different from you. It might not be about race. It might not be about sexuality. But so many people are on a journey to come back to living the life that they're here to live. Just them. Yeah. And what yeah. I love is that you're 22, Millie. You're not going to be doing this when you're 55, you know? I love that. And I applaud you. I think you're an incredibly courageous young lady, really. So thank you. Thank you for sharing that with us all. Thank you very much. You've been listening to Extraordinary Unplugged, brought to you by Pixel, our wonderful sponsors, and Ivy House, a team on a mission to bring life-changing learning to students, teachers, and corporate organizations. If you know anyone that would benefit from this podcast, please share it. And to hear more, please subscribe. To find out more about Ivy House, you can visit us at ivyhouse.co.uk.